Well, hello, and welcome to Public Affairs. I am Babs Wood, your host for today. Uh, joining me here on WRBH 88.3 is Dr. Megan Marino. She is the Deputy Medical Director of New Orleans Emergency Medical Services. That is our EMS. Welcome, Dr. Marino. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, phew. Um, I I honestly didn't think that I would have you uh, in here to talk about COVID, uh, but here we are. It's August of 2021, and I am going to talk to you about COVID. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. All right. We're going to talk about EMS, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to ignore the elephant in the room, which is that we're seeing some alarming stuff going on. Um, we're currently in uh, what I have been told by the newspaper as the largest surge, uh, apparently since the beginning of the pandemic started. I know just from a public affairs on WRBH perspective, we've had a rollicking summer. Um, I've had some great guests on. We haven't worn masks in the same room with each other because we have both been vaccinated. Um, as soon as I got my second shot of Moderna and two weeks went by, I I would go anywhere that would have me without a mask. Uh, the second I could, I just felt invincible and liberated and free. So um, I guess my main question for you is, did I cause Delta? Is this is, is what's <laughs> happening now because of me and people like me, even though the recommendations were like, yeah, you should probably wear a mask still. We're like, but really, do I? I'm healthy, no symptoms, and anyway, why? Why are we here? What's happening? So that's a really great question. Um, we're still unsure why we've seen such an incredible surge here in our uh, region. We know that partially it's because such a large portion of uh, adults in Louisiana are unvaccinated. So, um, you know, only less than 40 uh Less than 40% of adults in Louisiana are fully vaccinated. And so that has really created a space for the Delta variant to take hold. We've also combined that with a lot of people feeling like, oh, this is our free summer. You know, people want to be, you know, spending time with friends and family. It's hot in Louisiana. So, you know, a lot of people are spending more and more time indoors as opposed to outdoor activities. I know it's sweltering out there this summer. So I think that the two things combined, people wanting to spend more time together and more time indoors because of the heat combined with our really exceptionally low vaccination rates has created a a space for the Delta variant to really take hold in our region. We are having the worst um, outbreak that we've seen so far, and we're seeing the highest numbers of COVID um, in Louisiana that we are seeing across the country. We are really the, the... epicenter of this current wave. And so it's really important that we continue to um, wear our masks. If you haven't been vaccinated, please, please, please get vaccinated. There are lots of vaccines available. It's not the way it was at the very beginning of the pandemic where um, vaccines were kind of being rationed just for our sickest people. The vaccine has been shown to be safe and effective. And, and where can I get it? Do I just, I mean, because I feel like I've, I just walk by a Walgreens and there's a sidewalk tent that says COVID vaccines and even the Winn-Dixie. And is it free? Like how easy is it? for me uh, as an adult 
to get a vaccine. So anyone age 12 and older is, 12? Elig- wow. is eligible to get a free vaccine. Um, initially, there were they were requiring appointments. However, appointments are no longer required. You can walk up to any um, CVS, Walgreens, um, Oshner, LCMC, Tulane. Everyone has free vaccines um, set up. And the city of New Orleans has also set up some vaccination sites as well. And so um, you can go to nola.gov um, to get some information on where you can get your COVID vaccine. Perfect. Um, and there are um, many, many, many opportunities. If you have questions or concerns about the vaccine and its safety, I encourage you to do some research. The vaccines are incredibly safe. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a lot of sources uh, for me to go looking for information under the guise of research out there. Where specifically should I be going for research on these vaccines if I have questions? So you have you bring up a really wonderful point in that there is a lot of misinformation right now about the COVID vaccine. So I would recommend that you go to reliable sources. And the place where I go for my information about the COVID vaccine is the CDC. Ah, the so Center for Disease Control. Yes, yeah, so cdc.gov um, is where you go to get um, information about um, COVID and the um, COVID vaccine. Um, The uh, safety and efficacy of this vaccine far surpasses um, that of our other vaccines. It's really been shown to be safe and effective in preventing um, COVID, the illness, but also it prevents you from um, being hospitalized or dying. The, The rates of death and hospitalization among Um, among vaccinated people is exceptionally low. So the best way that you can protect yourself and your families um, from these terrible, terrible complications um, and deaths that we're seeing from COVID is for you to get vaccinated and for you to encourage everyone in your life to be vaccinated as well. Yeah, I've, uh, I've de- there's definitely some, some hard conversations that I know a lot of us have been having with our loved ones, and it does not help that there is so much misinformation out there, uh, out there for people. Um, you, you are actually, you're a, a pediatric emergency medical specialist specifically, and is there, I mean, people under 12 cannot get the vaccine. Is there, first of all, does that make them... Uh, are they just not as susceptible to COVID or are they becoming more and more susceptible as the disease gets its legs and finds its way to mutate into their tiny little unvaccinated bodies? Like what's going on with children? Are they just, are they the spreaders? Do we blame them? (laughs) So we don't blame the children, but kids have been spreading COVID more. Children um, often find it very difficult to keep a mask on their face. Children all touch each other as much as they can. They're always putting their hands in their mouths and, and touching each other. And so COVID has been spreading pretty significantly in younger people. Also, because the COVID vaccine has not yet been approved for children under 12, they that group is completely unvaccinated. So it's really important that we continue our social distancing measures, especially with our youngsters right now. Um, 
kids can get COVID and they can get quite sick from it. So it's important that we continue to protect them by uh, asking them to wear masks, continuing social distancing. Um, if they are having playdates, encouraging those playdates to be outside when possible. I know the heat makes that really difficult right now. And then for those kids that um, do become eligible for uh, vaccination, especially the older siblings, anyone over 12, make sure that they're getting their vaccines right away. We do hope that the COVID vaccine will be approved for uh, the younger children coming up uh, in the next few months. So we're very hopeful um, that that will um, help us stem the tide of this pandemic. Okay, so I just I feel like I'm hearing you say some stuff that I want to deliberately mishear. So I may as well just get you to come out and say it. Are you saying that all the stuff that we were doing last March and April as far as, um, you know, if you see your friends, it has to be outside. There are, you know, it's not indoors. It's not indoors six feet away. It's not indoors with a mask. It's outside. I mean, are we really, is that where we're back? And if so, for how long till these kids get vaccinated? Like what's going on? That's a really great question. So I wouldn't say just for Children, I would say anyone who's unvaccinated, it's important that you protect yourselves. Um, please, number one, please get vaccinated. So if you're not vaccinated, it's March of April or 2020 for you. It's exactly. everything that we were required to do. The dangers not only are still there, they're worse because why? What's wrong? What's this about this this Delta? How come how come we're not winning? By this point, right, you would think that like, oh, you know, alpha, beta, COVID. Um, okay, we get it. You're, you're, we don't know what to do with you. But by Delta, we should have the upper hand. Why does it have the upper hand? So Delta has been much more transmis- transmissible than the original COVID variant. And so that has allowed this virus to spread and spread and spread. Also, the amount of virus that is in the nose and mouth of a person with a Delta variant is much higher. It's about a thousand times higher than it was with the initial um, with the initial variant or the initial COVID virus. And so because of that, it is more transmissible, more easily transmissible. So whereas before you could spend, um, you know, a short period of time with someone and not necessarily contract COVID, now with the Delta variant, we're seeing that that is much higher. And while the vaccines are preventing people from developing um, really terrible complications from COVID that's requiring hospitalization or ultimately resulting in death. It is not preventing us from transmit from transmitting COVID. And so those people who have been vaccinated who develop asymptomatic infections, so you get COVID, but you don't get sick, so you don't know you're sick, or maybe you just have a little sniffle and you don't think it's anything, you are still able to transmit COVID just as much as someone who is very sick from COVID. And so that, I think, has also allowed COVID to spread in our community um, unnoticed in a way that um, we didn't see as much before. And so I I think that's why we're not winning right now. Um, Other parts of the country that have a higher vaccination rate are not experiencing the surge the way we are right now. So 
other places where the vaccination rate is 70% or higher, they are they are winning. Oh my goodness. So there are groups out there that that have achieved that 70%, which is considered the magic number for for the beginnings of herd immunity, right? If you have a 70% vaccination rate. Okay, great job, Louisiana. All right, so y'all, please have those hard conversations with the holdouts in your community and in, and in your family. This isn't going to go away or get better until everybody's vaccinated. Um, all right, so now that I've, oh, and just, I, uh, in order to get Dr. Marino here today, I actually, um, I had to get a COVID test, uh, just like I was taking an airplane flight, and she is the airline. Um, and so that is the level of precaution that people who know what they're talking about are doing to sit in a room with someone from another household without a mask for 27 minutes, which is how long this interview is. So um, just so you know, we are we are definitely at a place where we all need to come together and 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 help help get past this this surge so we can have maybe that October festival season we were promised. All right. Now that we've talked about COVID, we're going to speak to uh, Dr. Marino's more day-to-day job when uh, when she's not navigating a global pandemic. She is the Deputy Medical Director of New Orleans EMS. And what on earth does that mean? So that's a really great question. You know, when I first took this job, I thought that my role would be um, focused on provider education, um, uh, diversity, um, increasing diversity in EMS and creating a um, a space where we can um, have compassionate providers who are able to care from people all over, all over, um, from people who are from all over the world um, and with all different backgrounds. However, um, my real focus since the beginning of the pandemic has been on provider wellness, which has become a huge, huge part of this job, especially, um, you know, during the pandemic, there has been so much physical and emotional stress on each person working at New Orleans EMS um, and each person working in healthcare, really. We've seen so many people um, sick and die from COVID that this um, has just really taken a huge toll on our hearts. So my role um, at New Orleans EMS has really been focused on um, on providing the best care for our providers who spend so much of their um, heart and soul uh, caring for our the people of New Orleans and the patients that we have. Um, so, but before the pandemic, and you know, honestly, in these moments where we've had um, a little bit more space in these, you know, little breaks that we've had from the from the uh, really terrible surges, I've been focusing my efforts on increasing diversity um, in EMS. And so we've, I'm really proud of the work that we've done at New Orleans EMS to try to make some, um, make some headway into creating a more diverse um, EMS workforce. Which is um, really incredible given that we are a diverse city, but it's also noteworthy because uh, something that I think not a lot of people realize is that EMS is not, a f- there is no federal EMS agency, there is no federal EMS protocol. Um, emergency medical services in the United States are provided by uh, 
the, the community. Sometimes they're provided by the volunteer firehouse, for example. It's up to each community to figure out how they're going to get emergency medical care to the people. So it's not a guarantee. And the fact that we have New Orleans Emergency Services, which is, uh, it's a government, it's a, do all, I mean, it's a government thing. It's not a for-profit private company. Uh, and we're very, very lucky to have that. So Dr. Marino has been doing stuff within New Orleans EMS that she is being recognized for around the country um, to these, all these different local Places they have their they have meetings <laughs> they have uh, they've had teleconvent they haven't had conventions like any nobody's had conventions these past year uh, but there's been teleconferences and things and they're interested in what we're doing down here in New Orleans and Dr. Marino has 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 been speaking a lot and talking about what she's been up to and so I'd love to hear more about it. Thank you. Yes, we've been very fortunate um, to be able to make so much headway. We are um, employees of the city of New Orleans, and um, that means that, you know, we really uh, believe that it's important that we care for every citizen and visitor of New Orleans and that we provide them with the absolute best medical care uh, for every patient every time. And so part of that is recognizing some cultural differences and realizing that um, people from different backgrounds um, sometimes require uh, different kinds of care. And so making sure that we are providing our team with the tools necessary to provide that culturally competent, compassionate care to every um, every patient is really important. Most EMS providers in the country are white men, um, which does not accurately represent um, the population that we serve here in New Orleans. So it's important that we um, embrace the culture that we have here and find ways to encourage people from our community from all different backgrounds to pursue careers in EMS. Um, you know, we have an EMS shortage in New Orleans right now, and it's been, um, you know, something that we've been struggling with for a long time that's gotten acutely worse during this pandemic year. Um, healthcare providers all over the country are um leaving the healthcare workforce. Yeah, it's not just you. Hey, you, Dr. Marino over there is taking it very hard. It's not just you. This is EMS all over the country, as well as people in the healthcare industry, because of the the way this pandemic is shaking out and the support these people are getting. So anyway, continue. But I just wanted to let our listeners know that it is not just New Orleans EMS that's experiencing worker shortage. Continue. Thank you. Um, but one of the things that we've been working on as we focus on recruiting is we want to make sure that we're recruiting people from all different backgrounds in New Orleans and that we're not just focusing on those people that historically have served in EMS across the United States. So we've been doing things for years, including um, working with community high schools, um, working with a local um, EMS certification program that works with the high schools so that people can graduate from high school with an EMT certification. Right. That, that program, now, does that start junior or senior year? Um, you know, I'm not sure, but I'll get back to you with that answer. Is it, it is one a, or two years? I think it's at least a two-year program. Right, but then you can have a job. I mean, you are doing, this is not, then you go to college for four years and then you're an EMT. You're an EMT and then you can have additional training to become 
the what's it's EMT and then paramedic? Correct. Okay. And then both EMTs and paramedics work for EMS. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I love that. So you're going into our local schools. You're trying to have local Nor- New Orleanians from all communities to get back in there and serve their medical community. You don't have to be a doctor to to care for your community health. Correct. And, you know, when EMS started um, in the 1970s, people really thought of EMS as street doctors. These were these were people who provided medical care in the street. And the the profession of paramedicine or, or paramedics really came out of that idea of we're going to be doctors who um, provide care in the street. And so the work that paramedics do um, on ambulances is identical to the care that we would provide in the emergency department for our critically ill and injured patients. They give the same IV fluids that I would give in the emergency room. They provide the same life-saving interventions um, that I would provide in the emergency room. They just do it with far fewer resources and sometimes, um, you know, on the asphalt. Um, Um, So I honestly, knowing a little bit about your history, I'm I'm really thrilled, quite frankly, for the city of New Orleans that they found you. Um, and increasingly, <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I, you're welcome. No, I think, you know, because there's, we're, we got some problems. You know, a lot of places have problems. New Orleans has some problems. And it's easy to get down uh, on the city. But there are a lot of really great people, a lot of people who were born here and and got you know, it harvested an education from all over the globe and like Dr. Marino and brought it back here. Um, we've got transplants, but there are so many really, really enthusiastic, clever people who are doing their best to make this city great. Uh, Dr. Marino, during her, let's see, residency, I believe, did a rotation in Haiti uh, after the earthquake. This is in, I don't know, maybe 2000. 10, 11. 11, 12, 10, yeah. 2011. And, and her clinic was a tarp strung between two trees where she had to learn to speak a, a language. She speaks French, uh, but she had to learn patois. She had to learn the, the Haitian dialect. Creole. Creole, Creole, right. So she had to learn this uh, and provide emergency medical player care using supplies scavenged in the gutters. So just an idea of the kind of qualified individual we have helping us here in New Orleans, um, helping us get this medicine in the streets to people. You had to learn how to interact in a culture overnight in a culture that you you had never experienced. So do we have, are there a lot of, um, I mean, I guess we are a bit of a melting pot. Are there a lot of global immigrants here that are that find it, you know, it's difficult for them to adjust to, to American life and the EMS providers are able to be a bridge? How's that working? So that's a great question. You know, some people come from places where EMS doesn't exist. So, for instance, in Haiti, there isn't a 911 where you call and an ambulance arrives in Port-au-Prince that doesn't exist. And so um, a lot in a lot of Latin American countries as well, this uh, concept doesn't exist. Um, A lot of people from other parts of the world may be afraid to call for help because they may be worried about their immigration status. They may be worried that they'll get into trouble. Um, And so don't call for help or don't know that they can call for help. So creating an awareness about that is really important. We've been doing some Spanish language outreach um, 
uh, through uh, radio shows and Facebook Live events um, with our diversity and equity advocates. So these are posi- a position that we've created um, for uh people from diverse backgrounds who work within New Orleans EMS who are interested in um, creating outreach opportunities to our community to help bridge that gap. So making sure that people understand that um, what the signs of a stroke are and when to call for help, what the signs of a heart attack are and when to call for help. And so creating some uh, Spanish language resources that are available for that. We've also been through this work trying to really show people from different backgrounds with different um um, with different, uh, you know, cultural um, uh, niches and backgrounds and values, showing them that a, a career in EMS is possible and accessible. And so making sure that people understand that we are there to help, that we're helpers, and making sure they see us as, um, you know, people that they would want to uh, call in a time of need and also people that are able to provide them compassionate care. Um, what's been really wonderful with this is that we've been hopeful that as we continue this outreach, that people from our very diverse city will want to seek uh, careers in EMS. And we have been seeing more diversity in our recruit class because of our EMS um uh, personnel shortage, we have been heavily recruiting and we are hoping to um, continue to heavily recruit to have more and more people um, on our team. And so we are um, really excited to see that more people from diverse backgrounds are excited about the work that we're doing. Um, we created some pins to sh- have serve as visual cues to show people that we are um, here to support them and that we're allies. We created the New Orleans EMS Pride Pin in 2018. And then um, last year, we created the New Orleans EMS Black Lives Matter Pin. And these are visual cues that employees can choose to wear on their uniform to show people from different backgrounds that we are here to support them and that we are an ally. That's That's fantastic because somebody could be injured, somebody could be trans and you know here comes somebody not from their community and they're injured they need help but they don't want to talk to this person and you don't have time for a dialogue but just to show hey i may not look like you um i may not be from you know your your neighborhood but but i support you and i'm here to help i think that's great um are they available for sale to the general public or is that just that's a private that's private those are for those are for y'all they are for sale and available to the general public through the New Orleans EMS Foundation, and you can um, look at that at noemsf.org. All right, that's noemsf.org, and you can pick up your EMS Pride pin, you can pick up your EMS Black Lives Matter pin. Dr. Marino, thank you so much for being with us today. You've given us so much great information about how we can keep ourselves healthy and um, really let us know what was happening with our with our own emergency medical services. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us here on Public Affairs. I am Babs Wood. This is WRBH 88.3 FM. <laughs>